We got to keep that personality. Hey, everyone. On this episode of the NFT QT podcast, Ryan and I are exploring niche NFT marketplaces. Yo, what's up, everybody? On this episode of the NFT QT show, Ryan and I will be discussing how many fans you need to make a living at NFTs. And we'll also be giving our opinion on Visa buying a crypto punk, universities adopting NFT technology, and shit, who knows? Maybe even the world's second NFT arcade. We might cover that. So stick around to hear our thoughts. For sure, for sure. So this episode of the NFT QT show was brought to you by the NFT Handbook. Now, the NFT Handbook is a detailed guide on how you can create, buy, and sell non-fungible tokens. And guess what? If you pick up this handbook, you won't need the technical background that you might know about. So you can learn exactly what NFTs are and how they've evolved and why they have value over at Amazon. Just search the NFT Handbook. So, Ryan, what's good, bro? Man, just trying to keep up with what's happening in the NFT space, dude. It's it's overwhelming to be to be quite frank. It is, it is, it is, it is. I mean, even since we we last talked, man, so much has happened. So oh, for much sure. has happened. So much has happened. Yeah, I, I mean, we should start. I think I, I think we should start with Visa. You know, I think that's probably the first place to start. What do you think? For sure. That? I mean, all of NFT Twitter, if it's uh if it if we can start classifying that as a thing yet. Um Everyone had a take on it, so we got to give our take. What, what's, what, I'll let you kick it off. I mean, I can, I can give it a, a little bit of a go, but I think you know what we, what we do know is that Visa is intrigued by <laughs> NFTs so much so that they bought a 150k CryptoPunk. This is the crypto. Yeah, I mean, I kind of see it's just a marketing campaign. To be honest, I think they have no intention or are serious at all about NFTs. I mean, just the basic fact that they bought basically a punk at the floor price, like the lowest possible price you could buy a crypto punk at right now. And that's what they spent. Um, you know, people on Twitter were clowning them like, man, they spent 0.000001% of their daily revenue on, <laughs> on an NFT and everyone's going crazy. And it's like, I kind of agree with that. You know, like this, this felt like a cry for attention um, from me. Uh, Cause I feel like, you know, it's not that impressive, to be honest, especially when we see, you know, single entities, single people spending, you know, this every single day on NFTs. Um, this is not that impressive. But I think also, like, if they are planning something here, I could see why they would buy a CryptoPunk right now. Um, they're probably preparing for something or they have some some things in in the hopper that they might want to test out. And I guarantee that somebody told them that was in their ear and was saying, hey, if we're planning on getting in this space three, four, six months from now, maybe a month from now, we got to at least show up and, and spend some money first. Like we can't just hop in here and be like, yo, give us some money. People are going to hate it. Because um, that's kind of like some pretty typical advice. I feel like people would be giving big brands like, hey, go spend some money here first and then hop in, then do your project. So I, I feel like if anything, they're probably planning something. And this is their way of just, you know, sliding their name in here right now, familiarizing people with Visa meets NFTs. Uh, that's kind of what it felt like to me. No, that's fair. That's fair. I think in my, like, just me looking at the whole concept of Visa buying an NFT. Uh, did you see Arizona? They bought a 
uh, uh, Board Ape Yacht Club. Yeah, yeah, it does. So, so this is like, in, I mean, in, in just one week, we've seen two massive companies kind of hop in NFTs, right? And I don't think this is a trend that is going to be just here today and going tomorrow. I think that you're right. Like, you know, people are trying to get in, but I think that they're trying to find the way, the best way for them to do it, right? So it's like, you know, this is, uh, I'm going to pull up on screen. Uh, so this is this is what we're, this is what we were talking about. Uh, Arizona Ice Tea, their Ice Tea company. For those that don't know, they just created a board ape, or they didn't create; they bought a board ape, and you know they're they're doing some some cool stuff there. Uh, it was again, the board ape community was it was excited by it, but uh, the actual founders of Board Ape Yacht Club they weren't too pleased to see that you know Arizona Tea used their logo. And they're like, look, you know, you can you can you can buy an ape and do whatever you want with your ape. But if you want to use our actual brand and our logo and, and what we're doing and what we represent, we need to at least talk to you. And so I thought that that was that was I think I thought that made sense. What did you think? For sure. I mean, I don't know. I feel like out of any any, you know, if we're looking at just a list of brands that could hop in and like buy buy an NFT and people wouldn't hate on them. Like, I feel like Arizona's probably quite far up there like think about how long arizona held us down with the 99 cent tea like everybody who was just falling <laughs> on a budget they bought them from when they were six years old up until they were 26 you know so like i feel like arizona is a pretty cool brand um i wouldn't be surprised if they did some limited edition cans with a board ape on them um something like that especially because we're seeing so many of that those things right now like the the board wine company um which you know launched like a cup a week or two ago um yeah if you nftqt.com has the board wine company yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. on there yeah you, and then like there was that then there was also there was a beer that like four four or five months ago did a uh board ipa um so like people are i think out of all like if you're just looking at a branding agent like the board ape yacht club dude that uh, I'm waiting for Harvard to put out a case study and be like, this is one of the the, the dopest brands out here right now. And and I would totally agree. Cause like, um, it's just, it's an interesting brand that could really do a lot of cool collaborations. Like you could, you could see a board ape yacht club rocking Supreme. You couldn't see a crypto punk rocking Supreme. So I think out of all like why we're seeing so many of these like kind of crossover merchandising or branding things with board ape, it's just cause that, their brand is really interesting. Yeah. So for those that don't know, again, you can check this out on nftqt.com. But the Board Wine Company uh, was this whole concept where board ape owners are now showcasing what full usage or full commercial usage rights of their NFT look like. And the Board Wine Company uh, collaborated with the wine company. It was a WIV with. And it's not the first NFT wine we've seen. Like we've seen quite a few things, but what was interesting about it is they were putting board apes on the wine label. And like you can you can submit that you own an ape and you can be a part of their their wine club. Uh, I thought it was a really good marketing uh, campaign. I don't know how they're gonna do like you know the rev share and all that good stuff, but I mean I'm I'm excited for the board wine company. I actually haven't uh, signed up for the oh they they sold out, so I missed this drop even though I don't know why, uh, but I don't drink. So it was like one of those things yeah. where I just, I, I wasn't interested in it. I mean, the funny thing is it's like they're, 
in, in their marketing, they said, hey, we're taking the finest wines of the world, we're bottling them, and then we're going to brand it with a board Ape wine brand. So I think it's kind of funny, like taking all of these like legacy luxury wine brand, like the wine in the bottle is probably like way more luxurious than a board Ape could ever imagine it would be. But the the simple fact that like, you know, you're taking some like legacy vineyard out of France or something, and you're being like, nah, this isn't what we're going to call the wine. We're going to throw a board ape on it. Like it's a weird world we're living in right now, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, this is, uh, this is different. I'm not going to lie, lie on that one, but I thought it was cool. You know how I thought the creativity here is like what, what, what got me going. Right. And I think that this, th th this is relevant for two reasons. One, we're seeing what it looks like on the ground floor. So you've got a smaller company uh, and some, and, and probably some homies that just said, Hey, we're going to, you know, put together a wine company and we're going to showcase, you know, what full uh, commercial rights usage looks like with the board apes. And then you on the flip side have Arizona hopping in and they're saying like, yo, don't leave us out. I'm not actually sure. Uh, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't check out the, uh, I didn't check out issue number one of Board Apes. Did you see that yet? Oh, the comic? Yeah, yeah No, yeah. I, I have not. I, I think that there's supposed to be a cameo uh, by, I would presume that there's a cameo by Arizona in there. So I, I got to check that out. But huh. uh, it's one of those things where I'm kind of like, hmm, this is, this is, this is getting, this is getting interesting. But yeah, I think like on the corporate, on the let, corporate side let, of thing, I know. Let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. So, so Arizona, they're doing their thing. We're seeing that visa just announced that they're getting into the metaverse and we don't really know what that means. They said, uh, where was the, there was a tweet off or like, or I, I don't remember if I saw it as a press release or a tweet, but, uh, the visa, I mean, they have, they have now one of the, you know, most talked about, uh, NFT projects and they have a crypto punk. Uh, I think that, they probably will, if anything, get into the the tokenization of of these of these NFTs. I don't see why not. So like, like what I I know that like corporations invest their money. Like uh, they oftentimes they'll invest their profits or something. Um, but like, what's a company gonna do with an NFT collection? Like, is this for a pension fund? Is this for like four hundred one ks for employees? Like. What does a corporation do with a with an NFT? I uh, I think because it's one of the first NFTs, right? And it's definitely the the first NFT to gain mass popularity as like a collection. Um, you know, this is the the 10K project that made 10Ks, 10Ks. I think that you know owning it is is signifying support, right? And in their case, their their show. This is a nod to supporting, you know, um, just everything crypto and in in non fungible token related. I don't really know what their strategy is going to be here because I don't think even traditional. Uh, I don't think traditional investors even know exactly where their what their NFT strategy is because they just haven't been around long enough. And you know, there's a lot of money pouring in, so we're seeing a lot of things kind of go for for crazy prices, but. That's just what the early days are like. You know, these are right now virtual flexes. Like, I think that, you know, if I were if the best way that I think about CryptoPunks and 10K projects is like, if it's not the board ape, so the board ape, you know, you're getting commercial usage rights, you're getting um, access to their websites. There's like a community there. CryptoPunks are more like a flex, if you ask me. Uh, what type of flex? It's like, you know, when we go to the club 
and you want to buy a bunch of bottles and just kind of showcase, you know, how opulent you are and how much wealth you got, uh, you could just, you know, order a, a, a ton of bottles to the, to, the, to, the, to your VIP section and everybody in the club is going to know that such and such is balling. That's what a crypto punk represents to me. So they ordered one bottle, right? They didn't have the most expensive uh, crypto punk purchase, but it's still kind of cool to see a company come in the, in the in the crypto club and say, "Yo, we rocking with y'all." Like, you know, come talk to us. Because if anything, it's just it, it opens up the door. Yeah, it's true. Why didn't they invest in Bitcoin then, dog? <laughs> I mean, how do we know they? It's didn't? been ten years. <laughs> how, do, how do we know they didn't? We don't. We don't. I mean, we don't know that they didn't. That's true. Yeah, so I just look at it like that. I mean, like this is this is just one of those things where I, I'm excited by it. I think that we will see why they've done this probably in in just a short little bit of time. But um, as of now, I mean, they've got my support. Cool. Enough said. For sure. For sure. What else you got, man? I know we we got a lot to cover today. For sure. Um, I think quick note. Uh, Matt Fury, the dude who created the the image of the frog that you know later became uh an alt-right movement oh, yeah. um so the he withdrew his dmca for the sad frogs district on OpenSea, which was kind of cool yeah. um why so he, he why did he do that why did because he, he you didn't think he was gonna win or what, what do you think he, what did he say i didn't see an explanation i just saw that they took it down and that's all i needed to know <laughs> so sad frogs are back but i think the 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 point i want to bring up on this because like we're kind of reaching this point where, you know, every single day I, I'm a part of this metaverse HQ. So they just tell me every, every drop that's going to happen every day, everyone votes like, Hey, this is the ones I'm going to, I'm going to jump in um, on. This is the ones I'm excited about. Right. Like every day there's just these massive projects. And I think when we, when we think like, you know, just a year from now or something, what are those stories that kind of prevail and like kind of break through the mold and can still can still like be talked about in an interesting and unique light where it's not just like, Oh, this is a 10 K project. That's worth, you know, two ETH floor price. No, it's like, we're going to be interested in some of these more unique stories. Um, and I think sad frogs district having this DMCA beating it now coming back. That's a cool story. Um, do you think the that fame, that the fame is the, 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 the worth of the sad frogs project because they've kind of beat this calamity that once slowed them down a little bit. Say that again. So do you think that that increased the overall value of the sad fraud frogs project? Like, so like, uh, absolutely. I think like it's the, the point here is like, you kind of got to have these, you got to have a really unique utility right now. Um, you got to have a lot of collectors in your, in your, uh, back pocket, or you got to have a cool story, you know? And I think like, this is a cool story. I think what, you know, the fame lady squad, them, you know, transferring the rights of, uh, who is, uh, who's owning the pro or who's running the project. I think that that like is another unique story, you know, obviously the, the two projects have to prevail and they have to like have a consistent, you know, uh, basic collectors and trades and stuff to, to even be talked about a few months or a year from now. Right. But like, these are those interesting stories that could stand out when we're, when someone's writing the book five years and five years from now about the history of NFTs or someone's doing case studies on, you know, certain NFT projects, you know, you can only talk about crypto punks and bored apes for so long. You can only talk about pudgy penguins for so long. Um, and so some of these, you know, collections that beat certain things or have a really interesting, unique story, like. This is cool. I mean, like, look yeah. at, this is Sad Frogs District. And, you know, the one thing I like about Sad Frogs is, you know, they are a part of NFT history, right? Because they 
successfully beat the DMCA. That uh, one in the middle right there with the green background and the mustache. Yeah. Yeah. That top one. Yeah. You should buy that one. That one's that one's like number one sixty six on the rarity, and it's where? where which one? It's for the low, the middle, middle on the top row. This one. This one right here. Yeah, the price is it's it's going up. I don't know what the reserve is on it. Uh, it's definitely over an ETH because, like, I think I bought it for 0.75. Yeah, but uh, this one's pretty rare. Yeah, I mean, I if I see, oh, the top bid is okay. So I see what's going on. Um, so the floor price is only nine is point nineteen. So there's a lot of these that are, they're pretty affordable. I'll, I think the art's cool. Like it's a there's a lot going on in these, but I feel like that's kind of what you know Pepe the Frog kind of represents. Just a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, nah, nah. I'll definitely I'm gonna cop a sad frog. I don't know which one. I want to like the actual project, but um, I'm glad to see that they're back, and I'm glad to see that you know they survived uh, one crazy ride for sure um uh, all, all the only get you know <laughs> they only got 1.7k or no wow wait 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 whoa whoa, whoa. I, I thought that was 1.7 e no they've got a, a, i know that that fools me all the that time fool, yeah i was like, I was like <laughs> i'll oh, look and be like they did all this what? just for 1.7 e i was like i could have no. given you that but nah. <laughs> I no that, that, that little the k always uh it fools me too for sure for sure no this is dope so, this is super dope what's up though uh, another kind of news story I wanted to cover was a uh, former co-creator of Vine is uh, creating an NFT arcade. And I know we talked wait, about wait, NFT arcades on here a couple couple Cap episodes Reds. ago. No, there's another one aside from Cap Reds? Yeah, it's if you uh, it's called Subdrive. Subdrive, um, all right. I'll it it, it, it hasn't launched yet, but I mean, it's crazy. I, I I don't know if they if they just basically took a play out of Cat Bread, or maybe they were thinking about it for a long time. But it's it's pretty much the same concept, um, except the difference here is you know you're not buying uh, coins to go and or tokens to go and play the games. You uh, actually physically buy the NFT uh, arcade game. So like you know maybe they'll have a hundred uh, Pac Man's or whatever NFTs, and you can only play that game if you own that NFT. Um, so they're they're starting with the classics, just like Catbread did. They're kind of creating their own version of Cat, uh, Pac-Man, Galaga, etc. Um, so right, I don't so know. I was looking at this, this and what, I, I wanted to talk about it because, like, this is what damn, like we so, just saw Catbread do this. Yeah. So Subdrive is created by the co-creator of Vine, as Ryan already said, and he wrote an update uh, not too long ago, a few days ago, and he says, "What is Subdrive? Subdrive is an on-chain fantasy console where the games themselves are NFTs." You can think of it sort of like art blocks for games. These games will all run on the SubDrive virtual firmware, a toolkit that allows games to be written in concise instructions that are gas-friendly and ideal for on-chain storage. Although every game will be released in fixed edition sizes, every edition is unique. Every version of the game will be different, whether it's color palettes, difficulty, special abilities, or more. What kinds of games? SubDrive games will be old-school, arcade-style games to start, Think of titles like Galaga, Pac-Man, or Asteroid. As the firmware's upgrade, games will gradually become more sophisticated. Perhaps one day we'll have Super Subdrive or Subdrive 64. The first game is called Origin. Wow. This is this is dope. I, I, I'm bullish on this. Because you're right. This is like Catbred, but like on a whole A little bit more level. official. Yeah, on a whole <laughs> nother level. And you know, one thing that I always say about projects is, you don't necessarily invest in ideas. Traditionally, you invest in the people behind it. And it's harder when you're younger and you don't have any like, you know, 
credit or you, you're not proven, but this is a proven entrepreneur. And one thing I will say about proven entrepreneurs is they know how to make hard and difficult decisions, but they also know how to execute. And that's one thing that, you know, um, he's going to have an advantage here, you know, even though people are going to be like, what do you know about crypto? You, you know, you, you never know about crypto because so many people are just behind the, the wallet, right? Like this is one of the For few sure. uh, places where if you don't talk a lot, but you, you can make, you know, one or two trades and tell people this is your wallet and you can gain so much respect um, and notoriety in just a short period of time. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we, we said it when we covered cat bread, you know, like we, we love this idea of the NFT arcade. Um, who's, who's going to like kind of take over, be the, you know, the Dave and Busters of this or, you know, cl cloud computing of this, who knows? Um, it's, I just love the idea. So I'm excited to see someone like do it officially and uh, create some rarity around these, these NFT games. You already know uh, what I'm excited for as it relates to this. What's that? Uh, of course. But Tetris. You already know it. I, as long as you got <laughs> Tetris, I can rock with it. Yeah. All right. So this is the part of the episode where we get into our ideas, our theories, our concepts, and we just kind of chat through, you know, what 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 tickles our fancy, what makes us excited about NFTs. And Ryan, you posed this idea to me the other day, and I was like, let's talk about it on the show. So I'm gonna bring that up. You talked to me and you were like, yo, how many fans do you think you need in order to become a full-time NFT creator? And I was like, NFT creator? And you were like, yeah, like this whole concept of NFTs as a career uh, is going to be foreign to many people today. But if you remember 2010, uh, the whole concept of being a social media superstar was a foreign concept to a lot of people. And, you know, now how many people have a full-time job that's just a social media manager, uh, a social influencer, a social media analyst? And, you know, when I think about it like that, you're right. NFTs are this emerging trend that will probably be careers for a lot of people, a lot, a lot more people than, than we even know. And I want to get into that. So, you know, there's this, there's a lot of theories out there. You know, Kevin Kelly did the original 10,000 fan or no 1000 fans uh, theory. And that was way back when, I mean, I'll, I'll try to uh, find that theory, but let's, uh, let's get into it. What do you, what do you think? Where are you at? Well, well, I think we're we're pretty far along as it is. I saw this tweet. Um, this guy was bre basically breaking down OpenSea itself, and like around two percent of creators on OpenSea are have made over a hundred thousand dollars from selling their NFTs. So yeah, only two percent. It doesn't sound like a ton um, out of like two hundred some thousand active traders on there. So you're looking at you know four to five thousand people who have made a career or at least a yearly sal uh, one year salary selling nfts so i think we're we're already kind of past that like you know that first year of 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 instagram influencers being like how that's a job what like it's i think it really is a job now um but i think like what it takes to what it takes to be a successful one is is a lot less than what you uh necessarily would expect um and legion yeah. uh, i saw you brought up this article so legion she worked at Andreessen A16Z. Yeah. yeah. And she's kind of like a she covered all all types of just like uh creator economy stuff. So, you know, anybody who's just trying to make a career out of just being a creator themselves. She's right. always covering this stuff and her her theory on this is hey, like 
it's not even a thousand true fans anymore. Like she, she, she first rescinded it, made it a hundred true fan theory. She made the hundred true fans. Um, you know, you just have to have them spend a thousand bucks with you a year, which is right. 83 a month. Um, she then has since rescinded it down to two. She's like, you only need two NFT collectors to make a career out of this. You just realistically yeah. even one, but two is like, Hey, you got two, we two, two people bidding up prices on every piece. You're golden. That's all you need. Um, and I thought like, yeah, conceptually I, that was, that was interesting, you know, cause I think that's, that's kind of like what the art world has always been. If you get that for, you, you need to find that first collector, right? That person who is just a ride or die, loves what you do. Um, and they become your biggest mouthpiece. Um, and they're incentivized to spread your project because, Hey, I'm an early investor. I got in when this stuff was cheap. Uh, and I want other people to appreciate your art too, so that I can make money. They can make money. Um, so I, I tend to agree with her here. I think like this theory, instead of trying to build a community right off the bat that has, you know, maybe a hundred or a hundred plus people that are collecting your stuff. I think it does really just start with one here. Um, but it's gotta be the right, the right one. Right? No, no, no. I agree. I think what's interesting about this whole concept and this theory of just, you know, two people being your main supporters is we're getting into a realm where you know, it feels very philanthropic where like when you think about philanthropic, philanthropic, uh, philanthropy. Yeah. Philanthropy. Thank <laughs> you. I, my mind's doing so many things like grammar is not my, my strongest suit, but when you think about philanthropy and you think about, uh, just the whole concept of it, somebody who has enough gives that to someone else. And by them giving that to someone else, many people can, uh, partake or experience or see the value from said, uh, contribution and gift. We're at that point. You know, you can create something, be a creator, broadcast your ability. I think every creator, if you want to get into NFTs, should go check out this book. It's called Show Your Work. You remember that by Austin Kleon? Mm -hmm. So Austin Kleon is a notable author, uh, makes incredible books. And, you know, the first book that really turned me on to, to Austin Kleon was Steal Like an Artist. And I remember reading that and just saying like, hey, this guy gets it. But he has another book all about, you know, how can an artist broadcast and, and, and build a following? And it's called Show Your Work. I'll, I'll try to pull it up in a second here. But my, my point here is if you got good at showing your work, that helps you build an audience, right? And then once you have the audience, the whole concept that you need to get good at from there is almost like understanding who in your audience can afford uh, you know, things that you create. So if you make something for a dollar, maybe many people can afford it. If you're saying I need to make, you know, $50,000 a year, and you've got, you know, a lot of your, your, your net worth of, you know, the people that follow you are, um, let's just say, I don't know, like your average net worth is 250,000. Well, obviously, you could sell something a little bit uh, more than a dollar. Again, this book, Show Your Work by Austin Kleon, go check it out, screenshot this page right here. Uh, it's a great book. And, you know, it talks about 10 ways to share your creativity and get discovered. This getting discovered part is the is the part that I want to like elaborate on. I think Elon Musk does a great job of this, right? Where Elon will go and create stuff, but he kind of knows the net worth of people around it. So he'll say, hey, you want a cyber truck? Put down a thousand or put down a hundred dollars. Um, and he'll get, you know, hundreds of thousands of people to put that down. And now he's made all this money so he can go and research and develop and kind of bring this concept to life. I think more creators should do that. 
And, you know, what if you, what if you did a reverse mint, Ryan, where right now we're saying, Hey, here's this project, mint the project. What are you saying? Hey, I'm an artist mint a one of one for me, put the money up front. Mm. It's kind of like that idea where, you know, people were, were last week we talked about wishes like NFT yeah. wishes. It's, it's the same concept. If you believe in me and I'm an artist, you know, uh, like if Kanye said, Hey, you can hear Donda early. If you, uh, support me. I, I'm, I'm delaying it because I, the financial people are saying I'm not going to make enough money to feed my family. How many people would mint the the album? He'd make a bag. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot <laughs> of people would. I mean, I would mint a couple versions of the album. Man, I was on YouTube and I, <laughs> I heard some like I, I watch a lot of celebrity like you know YouTube chefs and stuff. Yeah, just yeah, cook yeah. cook meals all day. I don't yeah. know. It's my it's one of my guilty pleasures. And this dude on here was talking. He's <laughs> like a 45 year old dude talking about how he's. He just wants Don to come out so he can be inspired. I was like, wow, there's a lot of people out here who want to hear Kanye's new work. No, no, for sure. And right. And so like, if you have true fans that believe in you, you can allow them to participate in NFTs. Maybe they're not the person that buys or owns the said rights. Cause a lot of people don't care about rights at the end of the day. Right. Like Ryan, how many things do you do in your life where you actually need the rights to do it? Or do you actually care about your rights? I mean, as a white male in America, <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's a lot, it's a lot less than, than normal people, but right, right. no, for sure. Right. So it's like, when you think about it from that, that perspective, it's like, you do want to still enjoy certain experiences. You still want to watch the film. You might not own the film, but you still want to watch the film. Uh, you might not own the rights to the music, but you still want to hear the music. And so like, for me, I think about it in that same context and say like, Hey, you know, if there's two people that own the rights to all my work, right. But if as long as they allow or if there's a pa clear path where many people can uh, partake in experience and share, I think that that's the that's the key. So I agree with Lee Jin. I think uh, Lee's been on it and she's been killing it for some time. So I'm glad to see that she's getting some flowers and some shine and more people are finding out about her work. Follow her Twitter. Um, and she also has a, a new VC firm. If you're a creator and you've got an idea, um, I would say Lee's a good person to know. So check that out. Ryan, what you got, bro? For sure. Um, I wanted to talk kind of con conceptually here. There's not a whole lot of substance to this idea yet, but I feel like you'd have some pretty interesting ideas. Uh, universities and NFTs. Okay. I, I saw a press release once that said that universities are sitting on an NFT gold mine and they just don't even realize it. I agree. Um, between like interesting research documents, uh, like even the application process, like textbooks, stuff like that. I mean, what what do you think here? Like, if you were, let's just say you were the you were the dean at a university, University of Wisconsin Madison, our alma mater. If you were the dean over there, how how would you set up like an NFT strategy? Well, I mean, it's a good question, but I think. Uh, if I worked at a, at a university and my goal was to get into NFTs, I liked what UCLA did. Did you see what UCLA did? Um, uh, I don't think so. No. Um, I'm going to try to find it really fast. Uh, I think it was, or was it Berkeley? It might've been Berkeley. Hold on. I'll see. Um, let me see first ever. Yeah. This is it right here. Check this out. So I'm going to share the screen. Uh, so this is UC Berkeley, not UCLA, uh, correction there, but they did this first ever auction of an NFT based on Nobel Prize uh, winning inventions. 
And it took place on June 8th and it, it netted them about 22 ETH, which at the time was worth uh, $50,000, a little bit over that. And it was an auction on foundation, which was, which, which was cool about this is it was called the fourth pillar and it represented uh, some, uh, it represented some IP for cancer immunotherapy, um, which is a groundbreaking way to attack cancer. I'm not going to get into this NFT, but what, I really loved about this project in particular is that one, they're taking, you know, something that they actually own. So this is the research. They turned it into art. This feels very Kanye-ish. If you ask me, <laughs> it looks like something that someone would pay $50,000 for. And I mean, I could see like the, the, I remember the threads at the time people were like, fuck cancer. And it was like, it was dope. Right. Because you're like, oh yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to be hard on cancer. And, uh, that carried it from a marketing standpoint. And it was just like, hey, you can own the work that allowed us to kind of, you know, kick cancer's ass in, in some capacity, especially on the research. And hmm. I, I thought it was well done. So, you know, if I were running strategy uh, for a university and it was it was related to NFTs, I definitely would look at our scientific department and see what what patents or what cool things we were known for. On the sports side, uh, all the famous touchdowns, uh, that all the alumni would know it's like you know we went to school with melvin gordon and like we remember all these yeah stuff. well w- when, when he broke the rushing record like the single game rushing record yeah like that was a monumental moment i remember because then later that day it was broken again um but like yeah i totally agree yeah science sports yeah, right i think the sports stuff makes sense it's gonna get really tricky now because like with the whole uh nil stuff going on where college athletes can can make money off of their own likeness like <laughs> okay, does the university get to sell, you know, this winning touchdown or can the player hop on it before the university does? I mean, you know, that's, that's a great question. I don't have the answers to it, but I think that, you know, as long as you do fair business, you'll, you'll be able to figure out a deal that makes sense. I think that the whole concept of the NIL stuff was, you know, stop ripping people off. Right. And so I think that like, as long as you're showing good faith and you're just trying to be, innovation always wins. Right. And so if you're doing innovation and you're not cutting anybody out of the picture, I don't think you got to worry too much there. You know, lawyers can figure it out. For sure. That makes sense. Yeah. But no, I mean, I would look at all the stuff that is monumental um, and it doesn't have to just be sports and science. It can be, you know, notable accomplishments for the university as a whole. Um, You know, uh, the, the, the opening of a new uh, dorm hall, the closing of a new, uh, of an old building. So a new building can get there, you know, memories that are made. Like there's so many things because every, literally anything could be an nft on a university because everything yeah. means something to somebody there ideally yeah i feel like N- nfts could change the whole uh situation with um what what's the word i'm looking for uh what do alumni give back when they you know when you get the, the phone calls you used to work at the office you'd, you'd phone up alumni and try to get donations oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah for whatever sure. that word is for I, I forget what the word is but i feel like nfts could offer a, an interesting take right like I don't know if I'll ever donate back to my university. Uh, I feel like a lot of people my age probably feel that way. Um, but hey, if I get an interesting digital collectible by giving back, I might be interested. No, 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 that's real. That's real. I want to talk about one last thing. It's a tweet thread by Bat Supum. Um, you saw? Did you see this 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 tweet? Yeah, Bat. Yeah, he he's a, he's a, he's a notable uh, he's a notable whale, I'd say. Oh, no, yeah, his, sure. his, his theory is interesting. Bat, uh, bat soup yum. Bat soup yum. My bad. I, I always say bat soup. <laughs> but uh, bat soup yum. 
Yeah, but his his concept here is, I think, pretty sound. And he's basically kind of talking about, OK, like, where is all the where's the the, the money of flowing in, in the NFT market? And like yeah. he's kind of basically saying, like, we're between stage one and two right now, where it's like a lot of collectibles. Um, we're starting to get into the generative projects. Right. Uh, but his whole concept here is like, you know, collectibles take the least amount of due diligence. Right. Like Correct. it's kind of it's kind of a it's easier to take a gut shot on a collectible because you can see how many people are minting them. You could see how many wallets own them. Whereas, you know, it's harder to take a gut shot on a one of one because it's only one person, you know, you can, you can look and see how many NFTs that artists has sold or yada, 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 see if, you know, a bunch of whales follow them or whatnot. But the due diligence is just totally different for a one of one artist um, in comparison to like a collect collectibles project. Yeah, no, I, I think that, I'm I'm all in on one of one art. I think that it makes the most sense fundamentally as far as sustaining, you know, the the sustain like because I don't think the momentum that has been generated by punks and board ape yacht club and uh, curios and all of the 10k isk projects, I don't think that that's sustainable over time. I think everybody agrees with with that that sentiment. Um, I think the generative art project, it feels to me like lottery tickets, bro. Like. I mean, you can get a Fidenza, was it 1300 and it turned into $3.3 million. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all of the art block stuff is like, like dude, I, I remember when, when Fidenza first made it on our top or like uh top it's sales top of the week list, yeah, yeah, top we would do, we would do uh, every week, you know, we do our recap of the top sales and a Fidenza made it for like 50 ETH. And that was like the first big sale of it. And we're, and I remember writing in our report to like all the people who follow us uh, in, our, in our newsletter being like, oh yeah, Art Blocks has a whole lot of other projects. You might want to go check them out. Yeah. Sure enough, no, that stuff is just, it's gone crazy. But I agree with you, like in the sense that it's, it's to, like generative art is all abstract art. And it's like, I think abstract is one of the hardest art motifs for people who aren't you know, deep, deep in the art weeds to wrap their heads around. Like it's, it's just like the, it's the cliche of like, damn, I, I could have drew in that, you know, like I could have made that, you yeah. know, and I think that's, what's kind of funny about the generative stuff. Um, but yeah. No, I agree. I think that what's interesting about that though, is how do you make the generative stuff cool? Like if, if it were me, like the way I would do, if like, if I had a generative art project, the way I would do it is I would take a lot of these celebrities that want to get into NFTs, right? So you get like, um, who just did an NFT? Uh, Lionel Messi just did an NFT like two days ago, right? Like, that's cool. But, you know, people, a lot of people hit me up asking me if I was going to buy that. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to buy that. Because like, over time, like, why is this Lionel Messi NFT going to be worth anything, right? Like, if these are investments or speculative investments, I'm not trying to just buy a Lionel Messi collectible. There's other things I can buy. Like I can go buy a card or I could go buy a Jersey or I could go buy, I could just go watch Lionel Messi play. Right. Like I don't want to uh, own the digital version of that. And and that's just my personal take. Um, but if Lionel Messi said, Hey, I'm going to do a generative art uh, project. I'm going to make a mood board of all of the things that I think of when I get on the court. And he did like this crazy ass website where it was just, you know, a mood board. It looked like Archelect or it looked like a, a crazy Pinterest board. Right. And you go there and you're like, damn. And then he's like, and I'm working with um, art blocks and we're going to create a Lionel Messi NFT collection that's inspired by my own interest. And the algorithm's going to decide, you know, what, what, what to come up with. 
to me, that's dope. Like now there's a moment in time. This is how this guy felt. There was actual curated properties. The computer has to then say, this is good. And Lionel didn't says like, I'm gonna do the final chop. Like I'm gonna go in and cut the, the, the pieces. So it's like, I didn't like this one or I didn't like that one. That's why I like what Gary V did. Like with V friends, V friends was dope because he actually curates those things. Um, like, I mean, there are modifications, but he draws and he selects. And if he doesn't like a drawing, guess what? He can throw it out. And I think that like the, the, the popularity then it starts because you have this massive person that's a celebrity and then you have the generative art project that like follows them. And then they're able to then release different projects too to different moments in, 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 in things in their life, right? Like I would have bought a generative Life of Pablo album or a Yeezys album inspired by the Yeezys album or, you know, now we're in the Donda era of Kanye. And like, you know, if there's a Donda generative art project, you know, that would be really sick because, hmm. you know, that was a moment in time where like, if I ask you right now, you're a Kanye fan. Um, do you remember the life of Pablo? Of course. What was that listening party like? Well, we went to a movie theater, got yeah. our tickets. Uh, I mean, I remember sitting there for an hour waiting for that thing to to finally start just seeing Madison Square Garden. But it was like you, you, you did feel like you were watching a bigger moment, like like a presidential commen or a presidential commencement yeah. or a and you're yeah, about inauguration. To, and, and you're, it looked like it, it, it felt like a big a big it felt like more than a concert. And right? did you not just double up though? Like you, you went to that, you remember that, that changed your life. You're like, whoa. Like I remember I went to the St. Pablo tour, same thing. It was like, it was just my, it was earth shattering. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And you see Kanye floating on a stage and I was just dope. I would love to own an NFT on like, what was the thought process in making a floating stage? You doubled up. You basically bought an NFT. Um, I mean, it's just not an NFT. You bought a ticket for what? Three, what was your ticket? Like 340? More than I would have liked to spend. <laughs> so yeah, so my man just bought a three hundred forty dollars Kanye West ticket to see Kanye at, at, at uh, Soldier Field. You're gonna go see Kanye live. You know, it'd be different if everyone got a generative art, like, or you could claim a generative art project there that was by Kanye, because now you still bring down a little bit of that layer of that collectible into the generative. Otherwise, I think generative art projects are too speculative and they rhyme me a ton of lottery tickets. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's. It's also one of those things where, uh, you know, they, they, they add these kind of innocuous uh, traits to this this generated thing. And it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. damn, what? I don't even see that trait. Yeah, the like, four -eyed, <laughs> yeah, the four what are you talking bull? about? <laughs> yeah, like the, the 16 eyes uh, scalpel, you know, like what? Huh? But hey, I mean, they're doing their thing. I'm not hating or anything. I think I, it's it's one of those things where you, you got to be honest with what you what you like and you don't like in the NFT market, because like. You can't collect everything. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna miss so many projects that you saw and were like, nah, I didn't want to do that. And I think at the end of the day, like you said, you got you you got to you got to buy what you're interested in. For and sure. I, I like you know, uh, kind of to your point of the Lionel Messi thing. Totally agree. Would never buy like a soccer player's NFT, <laughs> especially because it has no reason. Like, well, why why is this gonna have value in the future if if only like if you're only reason it's going to have value is because there's other people collecting it you know yeah. whereas i i dropped i was trying to drop money on the chicago bulls championship ring series you know right, like right. i wanted to buy one of those it was about the same price but i felt drawn to that as a guy from chicago like loving the bulls my whole life i wanted to buy that even though it's the same concept like this doesn't actually correlate to you know 
the actual ring. Like it doesn't actually have the value, but right, I right, like right. where it's going. I'm interested in it, you know? Nah, I mean, I, I get that. And I think that that's a whole sector of NFTs. And again, I, in this show, we didn't, we didn't talk too many, too many projects, but I want to start getting to the point where we're bringing on people and we start at really asking them, you know, what was the thought process behind that? Because I think if we go back and look at the money flow, and this is my last, last point there. If we think one of one art is going to be worth the most, uh, but it's also the hardest, you know, people put 14, 15 years into the flow and he made 69 million. It wasn't overnight. It was after uh, thousands of days of just showing up and doing the same thing. If you just made a 10K project in 10 days, why would you expect to make $69 million? For sure. And I think that's what's interesting about the one of one art is because like when you support a one of one NFT, you are directly supporting an artist. Whereas, you know, uh, there are some people who've done a, a ton of these projects, you know, like every week they're launching a new one because they're just waiting for one of them to hit. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it feels more akin to what, like you said, like, Hey, I'm just going to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Uh, the one-on-one stuff, it is, it's tricky because, uh, you, you know, every time I'm about to buy a one-on-one piece, I'm like, well, is it gonna, are, are other people going to see the value in this? Is it going to be, you know, am I going to make money? And then that's kind of when I, like, I pinch myself and I'm like, well, that's the whole reason why one-on-one art is interesting because at the essence, you really have to like the artist. You really have to like the piece of art because it's, it, it's arguably one of the biggest risks you can take in buying an NFT. For sure. And on that note, I think we should close it out. For those that are just checking in, this episode of the NFT QT show was brought to you by the NFT Handbook. For those that don't know, the NFT Handbook is a detailed guide on how to create, sell, and buy non-fungible tokens. You don't need to be a technical expert to get the NFT Handbook and start cooking. All you got to do is